Fragility and conflict are huge impediments to development, which make trading more difficult and foreign aid much less effective. But did you know that a group of countries affected by or recovering from fragility and conflict was formally established in 2010 to address this? More on the G7 Plus, today on Trade for Peace. Welcome to Trade for Peace, brought to you by the WTO's Trade for Peace program. I am Axel Addy, former chief negotiator of Liberia's accession to the WTO and founding member of the Trade for Peace program. Trade for Peace is a 30-minute podcast in conversation with Trade for Peace champions, the global policymakers, entrepreneurs, and innovators committed to promoting trade as a key ingredient for lasting peace. Join us in our bi-monthly podcast as we discuss how trade is contributing to sustainable peace in fragile and conflict-affected countries. Welcome to Trade for Peace. The opinions and statements expressed in the Trade for Peace podcast are entirely and solely those of the guests and the host. WTO Secretariat takes no institutional positions on matters of policy or of the WTO membership. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 12 of Trade for Peace. Today we have with us Dr. Helda Da Costa and Habib Maya from the G7 Plus Secretariat. Helda is the General Secretary of the G7 Plus with over 27 years of experience in the field of development economics, agriculture, aid effectiveness, and management in Southeast Asia, Australia, and New Zealand. Habib is currently the Deputy General Secretary of the G7+. Prior to that, he was the head of the Aid Coordination Unit in the Ministry of Finance of Afghanistan. Helda, Habib, welcome to Trade for Peace. Thank you for having us. Thanks. Excellent. Now, it's a pleasure to finally get you on the podcast, uh, Helda and uh, Habib. You guys have been doing a fantastic job tearing the ship on, in terms of the G7+. Plus, and I want to congratulate you on your participation in this Trade for Peace Week. So welcome back to Geneva. Thank you. <laughs> it's a pleasure. So as General Secretary and the Deputy General Secretary of the G7+, Plus, I think it will first be good to get to know you individually. First, how did you get to where you are today? And uh, what really gets you out of bed? Let's start with you, Helder. Thank you, um, Axel. First thing is that as a technocrat, as a simple citizen from a post-conflict situation country, Timor-Leste, I work for G7+. Plus, and what I'm, I'm thinking is that I hope today there is no more conflict in one of uh, the countries of my group, of the G7+. Plus. But unfortunately, the reality shows otherwise. So uh, going to work, uh, it gives you a sense of pride and uh, honor to serve the member states in this group, the G7+. Plus. So how do I end up in this job? Well, uh, I'll tell you uh, in, a, in a snapshot story. Back in 2007, when I, I was working in New Zealand, uh, in one of the institutions in New Zealand, I was asked by the government of Timor-Leste to return to Dili Timor-Leste to work at the Ministry of Finance, helping with the aid effectiveness uh, work. Uh, because at that time, 
So many development partners, uh, donors uh, flocking to Timor-Leste as a young country uh, striving for development. And uh, therefore, Minister of Finance needs uh, a return Timorese uh, to, to work. So I went, I went back to join the Minister of Finance. Then in 2007, around July, I was asked by the, the then Minister of Finance to travel to Africa, to Democratic Republic of Congo. And I must admit, the first time ever for me to travel to an African country. So I was scared and I said, oh my God, what I'm going to do this in DRC, <laughs> in a country which is, I, I only heard stories about big and so populous country. Uh, but with the kind of like humility, I took the order of the minister and I had to go now. And I lost my luggage when I get to the meeting. <laughs> Attending the meeting, and then two days later, my luggage arrived, but the meeting is over. But uh, that's that was my first encounter with ministers uh, and colleagues uh, from a number of selected countries uh, in Kinshasa to talk about conflict and fragility at that time. Yeah. The G7 Plus at that time didn't exist either. You know? So we're talking about conflict and fragility countries. You know? So uh, a year later, we, we we went back to Accra, to Ghana, to attend the third ministerial meeting on aid effectiveness. And that's why ministers of developing countries and developing countries, uh, developed countries, I mean, discussed about the Accra agenda for action. They negotiated this AAA. And in paragraph 21 and point B and E, I have to say, that there was a call for the establishment of the international dialogue on peace building and state building. Uh, because never before in history that such a forum existed between donors and recipient countries. You know? So in the, this platform, which will, will they call the International Dialogue on Peace Building and State Building, they need to establish this so that there is a platform for us to discuss this. And then subsequently, two years later, in 2010, Timor-Leste was the host of the first International Dialogue on Peace Building and State Building. There, the G7 Plus was finally officially inaugurated. And there we are, 12, 12 years later, we now have the G7 plus originally from seven countries who monitored the 10 OECD principles for engage, good engagement. And now we have 20 countries. We can also call ourselves like informal G20, I believe. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Helder. And then over to you, Habib. Uh, thank you, um, Axel, for having me. First of all, I would like to briefly tell about myself. Um, I am from Afghanistan originally, and uh, I have been in the, this career of aid management and peace building for the last 15 years. Uh, prior to joining the G7 Plus Secretariat, I was in Afghanistan, um, as you mentioned earlier, head of the aid coordination, doing one of the ch most challenging jobs in a country where you have more than uh, 50 donors, and then trying to coordinate and align them um, with the national priorities and selling to them the aspiration of people of Afghanistan. Uh, and then in 2013, that's where I was founded to the G7 Plus uh, because Afghanistan was one of the founding members. And uh, it's worth quite uh, an experience coming from a landlocked country and then to the G7 Plus Secretariat, which is based in an island country um, and Timor-Leste, um, the only thing that I, I knew about was from uh, the time where there was conflict and we used to hear news on, on, on BBC about Timor-Leste. And uh, apart from that, we didn't have any clue and I didn't know much about the country. Um, and uh, your, your question on what gets me uh, out of bed every day, 
Uh, first, um, a gratitude that you know we have another day uh, to start with, uh, because uh, that's that's the most important thing. And then uh, 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 you know breakfast, <laughs> <laughs> and then over breakfast, of course, uh, going through the schedule what is um, on 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 our diary for for that. So that's very brief about me. Thank you, uh, Habib and uh, uh, Helda. The G7 Plus has evolved. Uh, it's now uh, very much uh, part of the whole WTO secretariat infrastructure in terms of responding uh, to trade, the multilateral trade uh, issues. What is now the, the the vision and mission of the G7 Plus today from long time ago to now? What is it uh, today? Uh, in three keywords. Uh, the mission and the vision. Uh, it's a long, 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 uh, I would say, yeah, <laughs> long document, yeah. but I can summarize in in, in, in a nutshell in three simple words. One is uh, peer learning, sharing of experiences among uh, countries that are undergoing conflict. Another one is promote peace and development, homegrown solutions, peace and reconciliation among ourselves. And the third one is to promote effective development cooperation between developing partners and, uh, and 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 our group because we need to have an engage engagement a deep engagement and dialogue in an open candid and frank so that we can discuss about developing cooperation listening to the countries themselves to the leaders to the development agenda of the country that's what the new deal for engagement in five of states is all about now so now we have evolved dealing with a number of multi multilateral organizations like the United Nations, the World Bank, the IMF, and now the WTO as a multilateral organization. That's what Trade for Peace now and the WTO Assessment Group is now getting, gaining some traction because we are in the process of making ourselves, our countries joining these multilateral organizations to be part in, in that in that multilateral setting, so that our people and especially our citizens back home can also get the benefit out of this. Yeah, absolutely. And Helda, I must commend you. you. You continuously remind the membership that countries experiencing uh, conflict and fragility have unique challenges. And so thus they must be looked at from a different set of lens and, 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 and the solutions and interventions that come about out of the ex these exchanges uh, yeah. has to be tailored towards uh, countries, uh, members of the G7 plus, but, you know, countries facing uh, conflict and fragility. And so over to you, Habib, what are some of these challenges uh, that you see G7 plus members uh, facing today? You know, the, the first very big uh, challenge that uh, I think most of us face is uh, lack of lasting peace, I would say. Uh, some of us have been fortunate enough to achieve peace with, you know, some pockets of fragility. Uh, if I may borrow the word that's mostly used in the international uh, discourse, uh, but at the same time, lasting or sustaining that peace um, itself is is a is a big question for the leaders and also for the people. Um, you know, there are countries in the G7 plus and also outside the G7 plus that have been actively in conflict for even decades. There have been generations that grew up in conflict. I myself is one of that examples. Uh, my country has been in war, I would say, in conflict uh, under one name or the other name for the last 40 years. And the whole generation has faced that. And then of course there are periods of stability and then you know again relapsing into conflict and then again 
regime change by force and this and that. This is one of the common challenges that most of our countries are facing. Um, and then also the nature of rigidity that we have is reinforcing, as you might have seen or you might notice in uh, some of the countries where there is relatively you know, peace, but they always encounter these challenges of unemployment, and uh, you know, um, uh, sporadic violence here and there. Um, and then on the top of that is the complicated international politics or the, the politics among the hegemons uh, from which we are unfortunately not, you know, immune, immunized. We are not immune to those, uh, you know, those conflicts. And uh, more often we become a battleground for those kind of challenges. And that is something that we are on daily basis we are facing and we are encountering. Um, very specifically, if I can give you the example of my own country, which is a very classic example to explain this very further. Our conflict is not necessarily rooted in our, you know, in our own country or in our own society. It's a conflict that has from time to time been imposed on us, I would say. Um, but at the end of the day, we the citizens are facing and, and, and we are paying the price of that. And that applies to other countries as well. Yemen, for example, is in the middle of and the hegemonic politics and, you know, other countries where, you know, after decolonization, there was a period of, you know, aggression and then again, civil war. And then, you know, this repeats. And then on the top of that, of course, our own poverty, uh, even if you achieve minimum peace, then you have to sustain that. And then you have to give or deliver to the citizens the basic services. And for that, definitely you need resources. And you have the, the aid, which itself is unpredictable. You cannot rely on that. And then, you know, the leaders and the society and the, the citizens have to struggle with that. So, yeah, these are, um, of course, we can talk about each of them for hours and hours, but these are some of the common challenges that we, the G7 plus countries and other non-G7 plus countries that are conflict affected uh, have been facing. Thank you, Habib. You're absolutely right. Uh, we live in very uh, dangerous times, uh, facing challenges of the global pandemic, food insecurity, climate change, all of these are subjecting uh, members of G7 Plus to this vicious uh, cycle of fragility and conflict. Helder, um, what role do you see the G7 Plus in terms of trade playing in the peace building uh, process? I see the our, our group, the G7 Plus countries, are facing uh, different contexts in terms of conflict and fragility. But trade plays a pivotal role in bringing peace dividends to our country. There is an old saying that when we rely on aid, we have the tendency of becoming dependent. So aid creates dependency, while trade creates independence. And that's a matter of uh, for the G7 plus comes to assert ourselves. And after talking to or consulting with our member states, you know, they see that trade for peace is an imperative that they, many countries in the, within the G7 plus looking at that, the countries have already acceded to WTO, they see the benefits. The benefits outweighs the disadvantages. So this is why we very much believe in this exercise with WTO, uh, we have to say that uh, we ourselves also, we are new kid on the block here, joining this WTO, yeah? After learning, 
Uh, my background, I also did some research on, on, on WTO in my, my, my doctorate studies. But uh, now the reality that you're dealing with the countries who have really wanted to join WTO to see the benefit of it. So what we are calling for is that, as is mentioned in your remarks, that we have a unique challenge within our countries. The context is different. So there's no one size fits all here. Yeah? So therefore, we call for you know, uh, flexibility in terms of policies within the fair trade within the WTO. You know? And when you're dealing with the fragile states, you have the fragility that people are facing. You have the infrastructure. You have the capacity that is very limited within the fragile states. All we need is some kind of flexibility. The willpower is there. It's just a matter of how do we operate with this in order to bring them, help them a little bit, give them time so they can join and be part of this exercise. So uh, to answer your question, uh, later on I can also uh, attest that the trade for peace is now becoming an imperative. And in fact, it's a cornerstone of any peace building, state building within the G7 plus countries. And I, I must commend uh, uh, Timo Leste's efforts in going through the W2A accession process. Um, I was privileged to participate in the launch of the group in December of 2017. And I yeah. cannot agree more that the WTO accession and the yeah. effective participation uh, in the WTO are absolutely essential for better yeah. governance, economic transformation, yeah. and development that is necessary for securing lasting peace. I mean, my country, yeah. Liberia, it's, 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 a, it's a good example. You know, we, we after a prolonged conflict, we went through a transition period. We elected a new government in power. And uh, one of my proudest experiences was actually attending the inauguration for the first time in a very long time where we transitioned from one democratically elected government to a, another yes. democratically elected government. And nowadays, it's good to see politicians run to the courts to settle mm -hmm. disputes. Mm -hmm. uh, as you know, Liberia recently was taken off the uh, the FCS list of the World Bank, you know, and, and so it trade does matter. I mean, I went to Liberia in 2005 and, you know, GDP then was low. The country was struggling to get things back in order. I think getting the parties around the table to negotiate the process of bringing Liberia into the regional economy, into the global economy, to be a positive contributor uh, to the global dialogue and to be at peace with itself and with neighbors, we've seen the benefit tenfold. And so yes, yes. I think trade does play, play a role. You know, one yeah. of the things I tell people, when you think about lives and trade for peace is about lives, you know, many civil servants back then uh, were not getting paid on time or were not even getting a salary. Uh, and by the time uh, you know, the new government took over and began to commit to those reform processes, government yeah. revenue began to go up and government yeah. was able to service its debt, was able yeah. to pay people and the economy yeah. began to grow. And so trade for peace is very, very important. Now, Habib, um, we've been talking for, for some time now about uh, a work program uh, on the agenda for the WTO, that members should consider a work program, a trade for peace work program that will look, that will look at uh, fragility uh, and conflict affected uh, uh, states, especially those acceding to the WTO. In your view, what would that work program look like? Just to, uh, before that, and probably to support my comment even uh, further, um, and also adding to what Elder mentioned about 
the the role of trade and as as you also uh, uh, agree to that trade also creates uh, you know it it strengthens relation um among countries it strengthens you know relation among people from across the regions one thing that you know uh, as brutal as it is the the war on ukraine taught us the fact that you know we rely on on each other uh, in my country to so many people and you know in other countries as well uh, it, it 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 is strange to to tell them that the prices of staple food has increased because ukraine was one of the biggest producer of staple food because we have staple food on our table and we eat it and we don't think about it where it comes from um, so it 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 makes us appreciate you know the trade and and i could also just being ambitious i see that trade can be a hope for peace that can you know bring the countries together that you know how much or however contradictory we are in our conduct we we rely on each other and that equally applies to you know the biggest powers and also to the countries like within the g7 plus who are part of the bottom 1 billion people that's one point and the second point is in terms of what should be the element that has to be considered i think uh, when we talk about opening opportunities or giving the chance to these countries we need to emphasize on the on the need of fairness here um, most of these conflict affected countries or ldcs they are the biggest producer of raw materials yet they are the poorest people i'll give you a simple example africa is the biggest uh, some countries in the african region are the biggest producer of cacao but but you really i, I haven't seen any chocolate from ghana or you know chocolate from ethiopia or something but i always see that you know we we love swiss chocolate we love you know uh, chocolate which is made somewhere what does it tell us it tells us that we have the, the 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 trade has to enable these countries to divide or to multiply the benefits or the dividends that that we are getting from trade which which in turns compel us to answer the question of better infrastructure a better connectivity and i would say better rules and policies that these countries could 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 benefit from that um you know um we, we are most of our countries even you know my own country uh, uh, it became uh, the, the member of the, the wto and it, it it started benefiting from its its uh, what the values unfortunately then you know things changed uh, for a country like us which is landlocked we have you know issues with our neighbors in terms of you know like trade and often time we face the situation where borders would be just closed and then goods will remain there and then you know we the people or the traders on the other side would suffer but then that that's what you know we 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 wanted to become part of the wto so that it could answer those challenges or it can help us solve those challenges so that's where we 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 need to be very um, you know we have to emphasize on on the fairness that these countries have to be given you know equitable and equal rights to participate and also in a way that their citizens could benefit from that our countries are the biggest producer of raw materials you know natural resources oil um gas and everything now imagine if 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 these resources are processed in our countries and there is investment in our countries 
these benefits could multiply and then we could contribute to the prosperity of people and it would ultimately contribute to the prosperity of the region and the whole world. And you will not see many, you know, you will not see Europe being the center of refugees coming from other countries because if they have decent job back home, they would not risk their lives to cross the Atlantic Ocean and come to Europe and, you know, like take asylum or, you know, become a refugee. So I think this this is one, one thing that is very important for us. Uh, and what we are trying to achieve with the WTO accession, you know, or, or association with the WTO is also to give a space to these countries to have uh, a fairer share in the in the world trade system and to have a better voice in the world trade system and policies so that it can become even more inclusive. Thank you, Abi. Now, um, Helda, speaking of uh, the G7+, plus, I know uh, recently at the 12th WTO Ministerial Conference in uh, Geneva, and congratulations to all of you who've supported. I mean, the Geneva package uh, was quite impressive. Going in, uh, there, was, there was a lot of doubt uh, in terms of any sort of real outcome. But I, I think when you talk about trade of peace, I always think of the WFP uh, decision, uh, which has gone along with to show how multilateralism, while in a space of conflict that really seemed to undermine the idea of multilateralism in terms of peace building yeah. and peacekeeping, is also being used as a vehicle uh, to ensure certain level of supply that is going to maintain certain level of stability in other countries that rely heavily on agricultural imports yeah. from uh, those uh in the middle of conflict. Um, but during the uh, 12 uh, ministerial conference, uh, you know, there was a ministerial declaration calling for the establishment uh, of a dedicated WTO work program. Where are you on, on this advocacy? Well, uh, I have to say that the members of the G7 Plus who joined the uh, WTO accession groups, yeah, from the conversation I uh, we have and the dialogue that we have so far, uh, and since the last ministerial meeting, and they were very um, uh, pleased and proud, if I may say, uh, joining, and they are eager to join uh, these uh, WTO session groups. Uh, let alone when the ministers uh, from many countries support the idea of setting up this uh, uh, trade for peace and the world program. And with the help of the WTO secretary and under the leadership of Mike and Anna in the team, uh, it gives the G7 Plus more, uh, how to say, uh, uh, power, more uh, confidence, and uh, boost the you know visibility, increasing the enhanced visibility uh, in dealing with a multilateral organization like WTO. Yeah. So uh, from if you ask me where am I standing, uh, well, I, I'm a big supporter of this initiative. And, uh, mind you, uh, four or five years ago, when we first had uh, a courtesy meeting with the former Deputy Director General uh, of WTO, Alan, Ambassador Alan Wolf, and, uh, uh, when we mentioned about trade for peace, he embraced this idea. And they said, I'm going to bring this to uh, Argentina, you know, and the meeting in, in Argentina at that time. So the whole thing emanated from a very informal conversation, and now it's been taking up at the leadership level. Even the DG, uh, Madame Ungozi, also uh, embraced this idea. You know? So to me, the lesson I learned is this, that 
once you have the political support from the head of the multilateral organization like WTO, the, the DDG and the whole structure, it provides you this kind of guarantee that this will have a sustainability. And let alone with the G7 plus members yesterday or a couple of days ago, we were discussing ourselves of consolidating, supporting each other in terms of executing, implementing, planning, and have dialogue, sharing of experiences, the work program. There are four pillars there that we would like to support each other. And starting from next year, we would like to em enhance the membership of the WTO accession group. You know? I understand that we might as well find an, a different name instead of calling for G7 plus accession group, maybe we can call something else, you know, like a platform for mm -hmm. sharing for experiences, for yeah. dialoguing, for um, disseminating good practice, best practice, for example, among ourselves, you know, because there are other countries who are non-G7 plus members who express their interest in joining us. And I think this is this is good for us, for, for a group of member countries uh, within this, this uh, accession group. So uh, with the G7 plus secretariat, we are, Abib and I and my team, both in Delhi and Lisbon, we are ready to support this exercise and this uh, um, this whole process. One last point, uh, actually, uh, you talk about this. Um, you know, um, trade can bring possible benefits. You're right, in the sense that we're talking about the process here. Now, here we're talking about the process of a number of countries who would like to join to be able to join officially to be the WTO. It takes a while. It takes process because. Joining WTO is like uh, joining a club. You know, you have the duties, you have the responsibilities. You know? The duties that you need to do a couple of reforms back home. And the responsibilities, you also need to participate to do a fair deal and so on. So this is like uh, joining a club. And for us, we there are, there are a lot of homework to do. And when you mention about the Timor Leste, is next year, hopefully they, they will get. Speaking from my own engagement with the leaders of the Timor Leste, even the president, uh, of uh, uh, Timor Leste, Dr. Orta. He was saying this in Lisbon recently in our meeting that G7 Plus organized uh, in Lisbon. He said that next year we will not be able to join ASEAN yet because joining ASEAN is like, uh, is harder than going to the heaven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the road to ASEAN is, is harder than going to heaven in a joking way. But next year we are, uh, the Timor Leste, he said it very, very, very clearly to the uh, a, a, a wide audience he said Timor Leste would like to join WTO as a member in 2023. So you see, there's a pride moment for a country, a post-conflict, only 20 years of independence, restoring its independence, and wanted to join the WTO because they see the benefits outweigh the uh, disadvantage uh, position. Huh? So I can uh, only reassure you, actually, that um, the G7 Plus members are really willing to be part of this discussion, and all we need to do is do the legwork to discuss with individual member states, boost them up so that we can make this uh, session group a uh, priority for us in the next few years. Thank you, Helder. And over to you, Habib. Um, is there talks about uh, expanding the group uh, to include and accommodate other FCS uh, governments? And if so, what is the thinking behind that? Uh, yes, uh, the G7 Plus is... Uh, uh, it's a voluntary group of countries uh, which is founded on the notion of solidarity among countries and among uh, uh, countries from any region. Uh, we, 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 we promote that, you know, solidarity, which is very, it's, it's an alien concept to maybe the international relation, uh, but it's based on that notion. And we, we do encourage other countries 
which think that they could bring values and could also learn something from other countries uh, in terms of experiences, in terms of inspiring stories. Uh, so we we are we welcome uh, members, and at the same on the same token, we on uh, within the WTO accession group, uh, we we also have emphasized that that it's not. Um, you know, just a, a group that has to be limited to the G7 plus, you know, family, uh, but other countries who think that they are facing unique yet common uh, context of, of, of being a, a fragile or post-conflict country um, can can bring some lessons and can also take some lesson from there. Um, uh, they, they, they are welcome to join. And the good thing about the G7 plus is there's sometimes this misconception that, uh, you know, if a country is part of the G7+, plus, that automatically means that we certify their fragility, which is not the case. Uh, we we are a group that are you know uh, founded with uh, voluntarily uh, with the voice and the vision and, uh, and, and an inspiration to promote lasting peace, stability, and better development cooperation. And we hope that in the future we have even more countries joining and with our agenda being you know expanded to uh, to to a more concrete cooperation among countries in terms of trade in terms of sharing of knowledge in terms of you know uh, helping each other in pro promoting or achieving peace and stability um, and i think this is needed for you know the global south uh, something which is not only just focus on one or two regions but across regions um, i think that that's the beauty of the g7 plus and we welcome any addition to uh, to to the group and speaking of welcome, you now have a new book, uh, Isabel Roca de Sequira, just published, uh, Fragile States in an Unequal World, the Role of the G7 Plus in International Diplomacy and Development Cooperation. You just launched this book. So Helda, tell yeah. us tell us about this book. Um, well, tell our uh, audience. Uh, I'm really, really humbled and proud to share with the audience that this book is a collective work of a number of uh, uh, like-minded citizens like Habib, myself, and all the other colleagues from different countries in Sierra Leone, Liberia, uh, Central African Republic, Guinea-Bissau, uh, and Timor-Leste, you name it. So it is a collective effort from a number of us who really believe 12 years ago, operationalizing the vision of our leaders that when they set up this G7 Plus uh, as, a, uh, as a group, uh, where I were heading to, huh? and the uh, people were very skeptical. Uh, many people undermine us, <laughs> and they said, "Well, what is this group is doing? The little G seven plus? You know? Are they here to ask for more money from donors uh, to 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 their countries or what?" You know? And they didn't realize that uh, we came with a conviction, we came with a a notion, and the people, the passion the dedication and the commitment uh, to development and to 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 bring the the, the countries you know uh, turning into a equal dialogue with uh, its partners at the at the development cooperation domain uh, so we are very pleased that we this book was launched before this session started the podcast uh, we had a two a two hour launching and a lot of people around the world follow this and this is the first time ever for the G7 Plus to write our own stories and uh, to be told. 
to the to the people around the world because uh, otherwise other people are the ones who write about us you know and yeah. uh, this is about us who uh, take this opportunity uh, to share the stories and Isabel Rocha was the one who is selected to be the a writer, the author of the independent review of the G7 Plus of the past uh, uh, five years. And, I, and and she was familiar with the issue. That's why uh, she did a marvelous job by capturing uh, the perspectives, the insights, the, uh, the uh, characters in the book uh, into a very, very uh, illustrious way in terms of combination between human stories and academic work. And now the book is available and please do read it. And I hope you'll find this very interesting uh, for uh, the readers out there. Thank you. And and the book is on uh, Amazon, I take it? Is it available already? It, it is. It yes. is available. It's uh, it is available. And there are two things. One, you can order the hard, hard copy from the open book publisher, publisher, right? And another one, you can download it uh, using PDF and download it on your, on your device for free. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Helda and uh, Habib, thank you uh, for your insights on the G7+. Plus. Now we'd like to have our, go to our more relaxed segment, um, yeah. our rapid fire segment, where uh, we'll pose a number of questions to try to get to know you better. You basically have uh, 10 seconds uh, to respond to five short questions in this segment uh, of the podcast. Are you ready? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, first question is who is your favorite Nobel Peace Prize laureate? I have to say that uh, in, from my country, I have two Nobel Peace Prize laureates, uh, Bishop Bello and Dr. Uh, Orta. But they, they were given these uh, uh, laureates because of our struggle, you know, because at that time you know, it requires the international community's recognition. So, yeah, that's a fact. But my okay. favorite one, the Nobel Peace Prize is Nelson Mandela. Okay. And over to you, Habib. Well, uh, I would be biased if I say um, uh, President uh, Jose Ramos Orta. He is uh, the special envoy of the G7 Plus and one of the strongest uh, voice for G7 Plus countries. Thank you. And then uh, something you would like to see happening in 2023. Over to you, Helda. Well, in 2023, I wanted to see more uh, members of G7 Plus uh, joining WTO, and I think we have, uh, if my memory serves me well, we we have two countries maybe are uh, in the leading process uh, to join, to be in the final process of uh, joining uh, WTO. I believe Timor Leste and Comoros. Eh? Comoros, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's 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 a big plus uh, for our country. And then the rest, the work continues. Uh, we will continue to engage this in dialogue and, <laughs> and do a lot of work behind the scenes. And and, and you, Habib? Uh, you wouldn't ask this question from me because I'm a daydreamer, so <laughs> the list would go on. But very quickly, uh, I would like to see my country more stable, uh, where it's run by a government that is uh, representative of every citizen, and the girls are able to go to school, women are allowed to work, we have more job for the people, and there is more stability. Um, and of course, um, um, I, I, I would like to see in 2023 a world without many wars. Thank you. And uh, an advice you would give to youth in fragile conflict situations, starting with you, Hilda. Former President of the US, Obama, used to say this to Africa. Africa doesn't need strong men. 
it needs strong institutions and a very well-educated young man. So my advice to the, to the youth is that take the opportunity, acquire the opportunity to learn more, gain your skills, and then get opportunity to study, study, and study. And one day you become a very valuable, very a good asset for your own respective country. And to you, Habib? Youth in FCS are can either be the source of war or can be the source of prosperity. The decision is in their hand and it will depend on how they enlighten themselves. So my only advice to the youth in, in FCS is be the source of peace, not of the conflict and be a source of hope, not of disappointments. And uh, a personal goal for the both of you. Let's start with you this time, Habib. I, I would like to be a president of my country. Well, uh, Habib might be an aspirant, but I would like to be a simple technocrat and then turn in some, maybe a politician one day uh, to serve my country and, and make a difference to the people of my country. Noble goals. And, uh, and who should be the next podcast guest? Helda? <laughs> I have an idea. You should target a young woman from the G7 plus side. Good. Look, and if look, you have any, if you have any recommendations from young entrepreneurs in uh, Timor Leste, yeah. uh, we've had several from Afghanistan, but uh, perhaps uh, from Timor Leste, that would be great. Yes, be happy we, to host we, we have planned. I can, I can recommend this to to you and to the team. Uh, mm. I, I believe that their the voice needs to be heard, you know, because yeah. uh, they did fantastic jobs in one of, especially in Timor Leste, for example. And I know some of them, the young entrepreneurs, they're very, with little resource, but the, the passion, the conviction, the commitment to contribute to the community is, is, is amazing. Yeah. Okay. So. Great. Thank you, Helda and uh, Habib, uh, for your insightful responses. And thank you for the conversation. Uh, we like to end the podcast uh, now with just one last question. In just one word, what does trade for peace mean to you and why? Habib. Connection, because it brings people and countries together and in a peaceful way. Prosperity. Prosperity. Because and trade then... for peace, you bring peace dividends to your country. And then when you have the right policies, the right institutions, and the right political environment, people will feel confident and people will feel much happier and then therefore prosperity sets in and people will be happy. You heard it here, folks. Uh, connection and prosperity. That was Dr. Helda Da Costa, General Secretary, and Habib Mayer, Deputy General Secretary of the G7 Plus Secretariat. Helda, Habib, thank you for joining us today on Trade for Peace and sharing with us your perspectives and experiences and thank you for the impactful work in the 20 member countries of the G7 Plus who still remain affected by fragility and conflict today. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Axel. Thank you for having us. Appreciate that. And uh, to you, our listeners, thank you for tuning into our episode. Goodbye, conflict. Welcome, development. A conversation with the G7 Plus. Do not forget to follow us on social media channels. We are present on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn as Trade for Peace. I'm your host, Axel Addy. 
You have been listening to Trade for Peace, brought to you by the WTO's Trade for Peace program. You can be a part of the conversation by sharing your stories and your suggestions with us at tradeforpeace.wto.org. And you can also follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn at Trade for Peace. Be sure to tune in every other week for new episodes. Thank you for listening to Trade for Peace.